Turn with me to the 16th chapter of the book of John, and let's, let's read together the first few verses of uh, that book. And uh, we have studied already the first four verses, but I'm going to read those and then come on down through uh, from verse 5 down through verse 15. So let's read it together. These things I have spoken to you, that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you, that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. John 16, of course, is the last part of Jesus' discourse to the apostles just before his arrest and crucifixion. Now, this section will end at the end of chapter 16, and then you will have the Lord's Prayer in chapter 17. And we hope to study that uh, in weeks to come. Uh, Jesus had warned the apostles of the hatred that the world was going to have for them, and he had told them uh, some of the things that would transpire following his departure, and that would involve their being put out of the synagogues. Uh, they would even be killed, and it would be because of his name. Uh, you, we know that the Jews and the Gentiles were involved in this, but the Jews were the, I guess you could say, the instigators of most of it because their hatred was so deep that they wanted Jesus killed. They thought they were doing away with him, and it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, how they claimed to be doing God's will, they claim to be righteous, but it'll end up, as we'll see in just a few minutes, that they'll end up being convicted of their wickedness when they assume that it was 
them who were righteous. But we'll find out who was really righteous. And there are a lot of ironies uh, that happens or that is uh, brought up in this. Uh, that statement, when the time comes, has uh, intrigued me. And I think it's interesting to note that. Uh, you'll remember in verse 4, but these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. There would come a time when the apostles would have a flashback and they would remember what Jesus had said to them on this occasion. But remember now, they're, they're very sorrowful. They're perplexed by the things that are being said. They have anxiety because he has said, I'm leaving you, and so on. And they can't get all of this together. But one of these days, they would. And that's what he is telling them, that when the time comes, then uh, you will understand these things. The uh, <clears throat> New American Standard, I believe, renders this, so when their hour comes, uh, you may remember that I told you of them. Jesus had an hour that was coming. The disciples would have an hour that was coming. Remember, he said, Jesus said several times, my hour is not yet come. And he was talking very obviously about his death, his resurrection, and his ascension back to heaven. That would be when he would be glorified, as the word is used in several different passages uh, to that end. Verse 4 ends with the statement, I was with you, but now I am going away to him who sent me. And that would be the same as him, what he said in verse 10 about, uh, go, I go to my father. He makes that pronouncement several times within this context. Verse 5 concludes with, none of you ask me, where are you going? And there have been some critics of the Bible who have said that this is another one of those uh, uh, mistakes that the Bible is filled with. That's, those are their words. Uh, they, there are people who say that there's all kinds of discrepancies in the Bible and my, all of them, so far as I know, have been adequately refuted. As long as there is a logical and clear explanation for something like this, then you can, cannot label it a discrepancy anymore. We have all read things <clears throat> or seen things, and we thought, well, that's, that's, you know, that's contradictory or whatever. But <coughs> when you get to examining it, you find out that there are possible explanations for it. There have been people, for example, who have been accused of murder and uh, maybe even brought to trial for it, only for it to be learned through the investigations made by various ones. But wait a minute. There's another possibility here. I remember many years ago I was reading in the Reader's Digest of a man driving along a, a highway in a, a coastal state. I can't remember if it's Florida or where, but he was driving along on a, a very warm day and suddenly his 
car just veered off the road, and he had an accident, and it killed him. And people were so perplexed about it. When they did the autopsy on him, he had a bullet in his head. No glass was broken on the car, but uh, they, they were ready to, you know, charge, well, to say that it was a regular car wreck, and he was killed. But lo and behold, the doctors, medical people, found that bullet lodged in his brain. And they thought, where'd he come from? None of the car windows were broken, but he had the back windows down just a bit. That bullet must have come through that back window. They got to doing some investigating, and there was a man who was way out at sea, and a shark came by. He shot at that shark at a distance. The bullet hit the water and ricocheted and traveled, no doubt, hundreds of yards went through that window and hit that man in the head and killed him. Now, you could come up with all kinds of theories about what happened to that fellow, you know. But finally, finally, there was a logical explanation. I can't remember. I don't think they charged the man with murder. They probably gave him a citation for something else, but he had no intent, and, uh, you know, things happen. And there are people who approach the Bible with a very critical outlook. They don't like the Bible. They want to destroy it. And so when they see something like this, they say, well, wait a minute. Peter asked him a couple or three chapters earlier, where are you going? Did Jesus forget that Peter had asked him that? No, I don't think so. But you see, a little time has elapsed, and here is Jesus having another conversation with his disciples. And he says, here I am talking to you about very serious matters. And you're so concerned about yourselves that none of you have asked me, where am I going? And that was the very key to the whole situation. They should have been rejoicing that he was going back to the Father. For if they had understood the whole scheme of things, they would have realized that that was why he came into the world, to seek and to save that which was lost, to give his life a ransom for many. He came not to be served, but to be the minister of all. And there are so many statements that Jesus made and so many Old Testament texts, they should have known that he had to go back to the Father. They'd been listening to him and really taking it to heart. They would have understood that. But uh, there's not a contradiction here. Uh, there are three things that Brother Light mentioned in his commentary uh, that uh, people have said is taking place here. Uh, he said that there are some who want to completely rearrange the text for the seeming contradiction. Uh, someone else said that the difference is due to the work of an editor. That would probably be a scribe or a, a translator that changed uh, the manuscript or the text or whatever. And there are others who deny that any con uh, contradiction exists based on textual details, some of which I've mentioned, you know, that statement asked by Peter or the question asked by Peter earlier on about, Lord, where are you going, was in a different context. It was completely out of this context. But Brother Light calls attention to the fact that Jesus used in this passage the present tense which reveals that he's talking about this 
moment of time. Why have you not asked me where I'm going? Because that is fundamental to understanding the situation. But as I said, they were anxious about a lot of things, but they were primarily thinking about themselves. And I wondered today as I was reading this and thinking about it, are we not often guilty of the same thing? We can be so concerned about our feelings and our wants and our needs that we forget about the Lord's body, the church. And maybe we kindly lose track of our mission and what really the work of the church is all about. And that's what I've been trying to get across in our lessons on being a servant. You know, we need to learn that uh, the church is much bigger than me and you or any individual. It's much, it has so many more things. Uh, it has something to offer and to give to all of us. So many spiritual blessings come our way, and we're blessed in, in social ways as well. The relationships that we build and develop over a long period of time, those, those are really very important. But uh, Jesus came not thinking of himself. He thought of other people. He came to seek and to save those that were lost. That was his mission, and that needs to be our mission as well. Have you ever thought about Abraham's servant that went to find Isaac a wife? He was not looking out after his interests. He went on behalf of someone else to find him a wife. That's the kind of a servant that we need to try to be. Be interested in the needs of others, and then we'll be surprised how many of ours will be uh, fulfilled. In verse 6, Jesus', Jesus statements about his leaving caused sorrow in the hearts of the apostles. Uh, but instead of rejoicing because of his reunion with the Father, oh, Master, you're going to go get, uh, get to go back and be with the Father where we want to go? You know, you're going to get to be with him? They were thinking about themselves and were preoccupied with the difficulties that they would be facing after uh, uh, he left them. In verse 7, he says, I tell you the truth. Jesus has told us earlier, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. But he tells them that it is to your advantage, the new King James says. The King James says, it is expedient for you that I go away. Well, why is it to their advantage? Why is that the expedient thing? Jesus answers that question by saying, if I do not go away, the comforter or the helper will not come. Because he goes on to say, if I depart, I will send him. So the Holy Spirit was sent by Jesus following his ascension to heaven. Uh, John had previously explained back in chapter 7, verse 39, if you want to Turn and look at that just a moment. John interjects this thought as he talks about the promise of the Holy Spirit, uh, beginning in verse 37. and uh, verse 38, he said, who, He who believes on in me, as the Scripture is said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then John inserts, But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, 
whom those believing him in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, when was Jesus glorified? Right, when he was raised from the dead and when he ascended back to heaven. And then it would be shortly after that that the Holy Spirit would be sent upon the apostles on the day of Pentecost. But John mentions earlier on in the book that the Holy Spirit would not be sent until Jesus was glorified. When's he going to be glorified? When he ascends back to heaven. He'll be at the right hand of God, exalted. That's what Peter presented to the Jewish audience on the day of Pentecost, wasn't he? He is now at the right hand of God, exalted. So he has been glorified. He has been proven to be the Son of the living God. Any comments on that? Brother Guy and Woods listed four possible reasons for this, and uh, Brother Light mentions those in his commentary, and I, I just want to read uh, these to you directly, and uh, I want you to listen to them. Uh, Brother Light says, Guy and Woods suggested at least four possible reasons why the Spirit would be sent after Jesus' glorification. Number one, with the coming of the Spirit, the apostles, as Jesus' ambassadors in the kingdom, the church, would be guided into all truth. Chapter 16, verse 13. But the kingdom could not be established until after Jesus ascended to heaven and took his seat on David's throne at the right hand of the Father. Acts 2, 29 through 36. Before one can rule over a kingdom, what has to happen? Well, kingdom has to be established. Yeah, kingdom has to be established. You have to ascend the throne. The, no, exactly. Is the word coronation a good word? You, you would be, be the coronation of the kingdom. He would be, or the king rather. He would be crowned as the king. The Old Testament uh, kings were anointed. And then they ascended the throne. They were given, given the scepter of authority. And they ruled over the nation. And so Jesus has now ascended the throne, to the throne. He is on the throne. And uh, the kingdom is now under his control. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Number two, Brother Wood says... The gospel in its fullness could be preached only after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4 he cites because it tells us that the basic three facts of the gospel are the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And everything in the gospel revolves around those three great truths. Consequently, the apostles' mission could not begin until after those events. And he cites Luke 24, 46 through 47. The Lord says, number three, the Spirit's mission was to continue Jesus' mission on the earth. As a result, his work could not begin until Jesus had left the earth to return to the Father. And then number four, the Spirit's work could not begin until Jesus' sacrifice for sin had been made. 
Clearly, it was advantageous for the apostles and for us for Jesus to return to the Father. Until he left the earth, the next phase of his work could not begin. I think that those four principles that Brother Woods uh, set forth are very important. He was always excellent at analyzing a situation and stating uh, the reasons why things were true or false. And uh, I think that's shown in those particular statements. So it was to their advantage and to ours for Jesus to return to heaven because uh, the next step in the establishment of the kingdom uh, could not be taken until that had been done. Look at verses 8 through 11 uh, for a moment. <clears throat> and when he, now this is not when he, Jesus, comes, when he, the Spirit, comes. Remember, there's a lot of people who view the Holy Spirit as some sort of glorified, mystical it. You can't see him, you can't touch him, you can't feel him. He, he's just an impersonal mystery. Well, that's, that's simply not true. He has the attributes of deity, and he is described as a person, just as are the Father and the Son. And uh, I think... Well, all of us sometimes, maybe at one time or another, have referred to the Holy Spirit as it, but he is referred to as he in the Scriptures, and we need to remember that. Uh, there's a lot of talk today about the Spirit nudging you and pushing you and uh, doing all kinds of things or leading you. Uh, the Spirit does lead us, but it leads us, he leads us through the Word doesn't he? The truth. Yeah, they're the truth. And uh, he speaks. You'll notice that uh, he speaks to us uh, through the apostles and the inspired writers. Verses 8 through 11 reveals the work and purpose of the Spirit and uh, sets forth the, the Holy Spirit in the role of a prosecutor. Notice what is said in those verses. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. So what's his primary work going to be? The word convict in this passage is from a Greek term that means to expose. He's going to expose the truth about all matters divine. He is going to convict. That's another meaning of the word, and it's so translated in the King James Version. But it's also translated in some other versions as reprove. You remember Paul said reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. And the word reprove, if I remember correctly, it comes from a term that means to, to bring the fault home to the offender. You, that person is convicted that a particular action is right or wrong, you know, and uh uh, it also, I believe the Revised Standard Version has the word convince in chapter 16, verse 8. But uh, the world, and, and that, that statement has a really strong Jewish flavor, doesn't it, in this particular context? Because Jesus is rehearsing all the things that the Jewish leaders had done 
against him and would continue to do against his apostle. And so uh, the Gentiles certainly were in the world and a part of the world. We learn of their sinfulness in the book of Romans, chapter 1, the Jewish wickedness in chapter 2. But uh, these people had charged Jesus with blasphemy and said that he was worthy of death. But in reality, the world was guilty and Jesus was innocent. So what's going to transpire now when the Spirit comes and leads the apostles into all truth? Those Jewish people are going to learn that they were guilty. Read Acts 2, and you'll find that that is exactly what happens. When Peter preached to them, the record says that they were pricked in their hearts and said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Why would they ask that? Because they knew at that moment in time they were guilty, that Jesus was indeed the Son of God. So what do you have happening? The very things that Jesus is talking about in John 16 is transpiring on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit speaking through the apostles convicted those people of their sins. Peter told them, you have with your wicked hands crucified and slain the Son of God. And he that message got to them. And they came to believe. You see, they didn't believe. Jesus says a little bit later on, uh, of sin, the Holy Spirit would convict of sin because they do not believe in me. Well, what happened on the day of Pentecost? They came to believe in him. And then of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and you see me no more. They didn't think Jesus was righteous, but they learned that he was. A statement from Paul's writings when he said, uh, you've gone about to establish your own righteousness and have not submitted yourselves to the righteousness of God. In Romans 10 verse 3. That's what's happening here. These people are being convicted of righteousness. And then he said of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Who's the ruler of this world? Satan. Satan is the ruler of the world. What did Jesus say in the book of John about the father of these people who were opposing him? You are of your father, the devil, because he's a liar. And he has been from the beginning. So the Holy Spirit does those three things, convicts people of those three things. And true judgment is put into perspective. Jesus went to be with the Father, and we all know that nothing unholy can be in heaven, the dwelling place of God. So that proved that Jesus was holy. If he went to heaven to be with the Father, God is holy. Jesus had to be holy too. But anyway, uh, I'd like to say a little bit more about the matter of judgment. Maybe we can look at that just briefly next time and then go on with the next section. We hope you'll be here and appreciate you being here tonight and participating in the class.